0: In this episode of the Backend Engineering Show, we're going to discuss the Amazon outage. There were effectively two outages in December. One that happened on December 7th, that we're going to discuss in this episode, and another one that happened a, a couple of days ago, December 15th, a week later, right, that affected the west region of uh, the Amazon cloud, while the first one affected the east one. So, in this episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk only about the East region because we have a root cause analysis, a detailed, beautiful root cause analysis of that. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll take a few minute, minutes to summarize what is the outage. And then for those interested, I'm going to then go into a deep dive. And usually this is the fun part where we effectively break down everything in the report and discuss and and have a lengthy you know deep discussion about the infrastructure and the back end about amazon in this case and what caused the outage and what can we learn as engineers from this beautiful outage yes i call it beautiful because it is beautiful but it is catastrophic i know for customers but to us i don't know this is this is a learning experience that, you know to to engineers like uh to like you know just uh uh avoid these kind of situations most of us you know don't work on these massive huge cloud you know like amazon scale so it, it's really it's really uh refreshing to see you know to learn and to get to like a to get a peek on their internal architecture when we get uh, when we get these kind of outages. So, how about we jump into it? Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. And uh, here's a quick summary of what happened on December 7th, 2021, on the east region of the Amazon cloud, which uh, lasted around seven hours, which is a lot for an outage. But what happened is Amazon. Have two networks. What they call the main network where is where the customers live. You know where your EC2, EC2 stuff running. Where you have your Dynamo Where you have your you know uh, what do we call this? The Lambda serverless. Everything is there. The customer workload. And there is the this is the first network, the main network as they call it. And there is the internal. Amazon network, which have the internal services, you know, monitoring stuff. Internal DNS is a very important piece, so that their authoritative name servers live in this internal uh, network. And obviously, the main network and the internal network need to communicate to each other, right? These are completely almost isolated, but there are routers and network devices that kind of nat things together network doesn't network address translation to, to to enable this communication because the, at the end of the day this, these internal services need something from the main network and vice versa the main network will need access for example to dns or access to ec2 uh apis to spin up a new ec2 instances which by the way live in the internal network right so what happened What happened is an automated activity on the main network uh, triggered some sort of scaling. Scaled one of those services. They didn't tell us which one. And this service started to scale in the main network. Started to scale. Started to scale. This triggered an unexpected behavior in the internal network. Clients from the internal network that effectively just flooded requests to the main network to kind of consume the, uh, the the this this recently scaled services, and as a result, this surge of requests from the internal network to the main network caused these uh, you know these weak points effectively, right of of that, that separates these two networks to experience huge congestion this was unexpected it's like uh, they didn't tell us much but they said large and when when amazon said large you know amazon is large when they actually say large that means it's really really big (laughs) right so as a result this leads to congestion between the internal network and the main network so keep in mind services are fine the services in here are fine. The services are here and fine, is are fine. And now, but the communication between these two networks is what got, you know, congested. And what, what, what happened when the network congestion? These routers, the packets between these routers uh, get slowed down. As a result, uh, packets will be dropped. And as a result, the clients and the servers on this both side from both sides really whatever the main network want to talk to internal internal want to take to the main both experienced errors All Right, and when errors happen what happens you know you're an engineer what do you do when when a request fails most of the time you retry <laughs> and when you retry you exacerbate the problem. You just you just amplify the thing, right? That's why you have to kind of implement some sort of a back-off, you know, logic and short circuit and whatnot, these kind of things to, to kind of slow down. It's like, oh. So effectively what happened, this is the summary of what happened. Uh, Amazon DDoSed themselves. That's exactly what happened, right? So how did they fix it? Uh, well, they applied some remediation to move uh, certain heavy network traffic, right to another path they didn't say what path and as a result slowly slowly they fix the congestion but uh, when they fix the congestion at after seven hours obviously the the residue of the failed request will remain right because you keep retrying and there are you know the services keep cash of oh i talked to this service before and it was failing so i'm not gonna try again so the state these services will store a state that oh this service is down it will not try again right and uh so so the end user will still see uh that the the service is not working but the actual backend is still is now running right but it will take time for the application to resume you know just clear the cache and you know clear all the you know uh the the health status and whatnot so that that's basically what happened basically yeah so most of the stuff were effectively running to be honest right it's just certain workloads where when you want to spin up a new ec2 in a sense, when you have a specific API that rely on creating a new resource, like you know, if I want to call it DDL, you know, operations like if you want to actually change something, right, in your resources, you want to spin up a new VM. This things rely on what relies on the internal network. That's what we're effectively. That's what it was what was affected and mainly the the main thing here is really dns if they fixed dns in the first two hours if they did not fix dns it will be a disaster it was already a disaster but but yeah if they didn't fix dns in the first two hours it would have been a really disaster because dns is the the, really the, the the most important thing right so that's the summary of the outage for those interested, you can stay along, tag along, and let's have fun read, reading the root cause analysis of this beautiful, beautiful outage. All right, guys, I'm going to reference this root cause analysis. Again, we're talking about the first outage that happened on uh, on uh, Amazon Cloud. This is the outage that happened on December 7th, 2021 on the U.S. East uh, in the u.s east region north virginia there was another outage that happened two days ago on december 15th we don't have a root cause analysis of that although they they amazon says this all was also a network congestion we don't know if it's the same exact problem but i'll i'll keep you in the loop if i heard anything but yeah let's read through the issue summary and let's, let's just read through read through the read through this and then analyze this outage issue summary to explain this event we need to share a little bit about internals of the AWS network while the majority of AWS services and all customer applications run within the main AWS network again they they mentioned this main AWS network AWS makes use of an internal network to host foundational services right so this internal you might say why why do we need two networks why don't we have this massive uh, everything hosted on the massive main network I, i'm not if i would guess uh, this is the same as facebook when we analyze the facebook outage they usually you know things that they don't want to expose to the public internet they hosted in the internal network and, and there's only specific services that can access this network it's just security i would say right i don't know if there was any, any other reasons but mainly security it's like there is no there is no business for these kind of um, uh, services to be accessed from the internet you know it's just yeah if there is not if there is no need for something you don't you you shouldn't really do it right uh just to minimize the attack service so to host the foundational service, including monitoring, yeah, you don't want monitoring stuff to be accessed to the internet. That's just bad, right? Uh, internal DNS, right? Well, yeah, authoritative name server, I, I believe. Yeah, this is, this is a really interesting thing, Interesting, right? The internal DNS. So I would imagine that there will be some sort of authoritative DNS name servers on the main network you know, for accessing things from the client's perspective that are outside in the internet, right? If I want to access an S3 bucket, there will be a specific domain, right? I'm not going to go to the internal DNS to resolve it. I don't even know where that is. There must be something that is exposed to the outside internet, you know, through Cloudflare, you know, that then Points to an authoritative name server that lives outside, right, Amazon or maybe in the main network. But this should be accessible by Cloudflare or Google DNS or recursor to actually effectively reach this authoritative name server to know where this domain lives. So outside clients can consume now internal clients in the main network might have dns that are completely internal have nothing to do with the internet these i believe rely on internal dns which are not even exposed to the internet they are just in- completely internal you know like when you go to work you have you probably have an engineering department you know you have something dot something dot com you know that has doesn't resolve when you go outside into your vpn it won't resolve but if you're in the vpn it will resolve because it's an internal thing completely internal to your effectively work environment the same thing i believe i believe this is similar internal i might be wrong obviously i might be wrong but yeah that's that's my guess so there was there they are maintaining two authoritative domain name servers so this is when we say internal DNS, we're talking about the authoritative name servers living in the internal network that serves DNS queries for hosts that are internal right to the network. And when I say internal here, I mean both in the main and the internal network. Right. At the, at the end of the day, you always think about it's like how do you you know minimize Attack services, how do you minimize traffic, like latency and and whatnot? Authorization services, How can I authorize a certain service to access another service? They didn't mention they are using microservices or, or not, but if they do, then if a service want to talk to another service, I believe they have to talk to the authoritative services. And this uh, at this rate, we will never finish. but you know, if you are here already, you know what you signed up for i take my time when i discuss these things it's not really uh, uh, it's not really an educational uh, you know videos we're learning together things here right and parts of the ec2 control plane and when you when you hear more about this not ec2 uh, when it comes to like the actual living vms no but the the apis that spins up a new EC2 VMs and so on right Uh, the API is to hey tell me what's the status of this VM this the state of the EC2 I guess lives in the internal network for some reason why I don't know okay maybe security issues because of the importance of these services in the internal network we connect this network with multiple geographically isolated network devices and scale the capacity of this network significantly to ensure high availability of this network connection so these network devices right that that isolates the main network and the internal network or this we're talking about these guys now right these networking devices provide additional routing and network address translation, of course, NAT, right? Because I believe this internal network will have, don't quote me on it, but my guess is going to be private IP addresses, like uh, like we the one we have, like 10.0.0.1.002, right? Just like we have internally at your work, right? And then there will be some sort of a network address translation between the public main network which is exposed to the internet and to translate this down to a uh, to the private and so on, and vice versa right that's my guess yeah again i don't know anything about amazon architecture but if i would guess this is it right it might be who knows maybe maybe it is exposed to the internet through some other paths right that allows aws services to communicate between the internal network and the main aws network right this is how you this is how nat works effectively this is very similar to what you do when you you are in your private network and you want to access a resource on the internet you do your router does a nat because it won't won't let you go to the public internet with your private ten zero zero two private address to the internet they they translate that and replace it the packet the ip packet with your router's public ip address right and and send that and when the uh, when the packet comes back to that destination port and no the router knows oh uh, this packet this port oh this private ip address uh, requested it so it will swizzle effectively at 7 30 a.m pacific standard time an automated activity to scale capacity of one of the aws services hosted in the main aws network triggered an expect unexp- triggered an unexpected that that's a tongue twister triggered an unexpected behavior from a large number of clients inside the internal network so there is a main network something got scaled there and there's an internal network who says yummy yummy something is really baking in the main network let me let's just flood there so all of this just just jump a flood of requests a large number and and when amazon said large it is large it's gonna be large so effectively amazon ddos themselves that's what happened (laughs) this results in a large surge of connection activity that overwhelmed the network devices between the internal network and the main aws network and god knows how large this nat table grew right and i don't know the performance when it comes to i mean if if you're like in a in a home network Right. You have like a few devices and then that table will not grow that large, right? Like you have like a couple of devices, you might have a ring device, you might have like a camera. And these, yeah, will have their own entry, but if the connections persist, yeah. And this connection needs to be alive and multiply that by a large number of clients. I'm I'm guessing tens and tens and tens and thousands and more that's a lot of entries <laughs> that's a lot of entries in the net table and when you have a large entries in the table at the end of the day you're gonna what a table is a table right you're gonna scan it and scanning takes time right and you're in the database land and we're speaking of database shameless plug if you want to learn the fundamentals of database engineering check out my course fundamentals of database engineering head to database.hoseynasr.com and uh Get yourself a coupon, discount coupon from there. Learn the fundamentals of database engineering, which will just set you up. Anything on top, any, any, any stuff on top that is just tools and stuff, you'll understand that. Don't teach you these tools, I teach you the fundamentals. And these fundamentals, you just start building up the building blocks and you'll understand almost how everything works on the database at the higher level the fundamentals are very important all right so yeah and that as the net table grows it will slow things down you know because the router need to search and the search uh, god knows if then if the router actually uh, index these entries or not if the index still needs to maintain all of this really is just code at the end of the day and nothing is free right we take everything for granted if you think about it right now i'm not sure if this is really uh the, the the nat table growing is really a problem but i'm i'm just guessing right is that a problem with guessing please say no Alright, this result in a logic activity will overwhelm network devices between the internet and the main resulting in delays of communication between this network. These delays increase latency. What's wrong with you, Brave? Why are you what is this? What is this? Alright. These delays increased latency and errors for services communicating between these networks, resulting in one more connection. And in even more connection attempts and retries. Talked about that, right? Clients are just wired. Most clients are wired to retry. Most clients are wired to retry. And when you retry things, the backend is still processing your original thing, but in you, if you send another request to retry, you just added amplified, right? And uh, that that is bad, effectively. This led to persistent, persistent congestion and performance issues on the devices connecting the two networks. See, this is very critical. The devices in the network itself, in both networks, right? Because there are switches and stuff like that between the networks themselves. We're talking about the devices that link these two networks together. All of a sudden, They are congested. So now, traffic, let's be very specific. Traffic that needs to go from the main network to the internal network is almost dead now, almost. Traffic that goes from the internet directly to the main network to consume, I don't know, a web server, that's fine. That should be fine, right? But, for example, if your app utilizes some sort of a logging, right? Like, let's say you... you i i want to use your aws web server right and i did that i connected to your aws service and uh, i did i don't know a a bad login you want to log this activity right and do you want to use some sort of a aws service that logs this logging and monitoring probably uses the internal network so asynchronously on the back end your app might be flailing right but the front end when i say front end, i don't mean the app right the mobile app i mean the front end web server it's it's serving requests fine does that make sense you know only when when your request relies on something that is on the internal network that's when it's effective right so i'm really surprised when i saw all the twitter messages that like a down down i don't know what's down and people couldn't do anything really yeah, I was really surprised, but from what they describe, it's not really that bad. Well, we're gonna continue, continue reading. Let's let's see. This conjunction immediately impacted the availability of real-time monitoring data of our internal operation team. Okay, so they're trying to monitor the data. The internal the operation their operation team couldn't monitor anything. Now this this made me think, right? Why couldn't they monitor? Name? That means the monitoring data lives in the internal network. That tells me they are trying to access the monitoring data from the main network, right? Because the monitoring data lives in, in the internal network. So if you're trying to access that, you can either access from the internal network, can they access from the internal network? That's a good question. Do employees have access directly to the internal network? Can I take my laptop and plug it to the internal network or not? I don't know. Apparently not. Because if they cared, they would immediately see this data. Right? But they couldn't. That means they are at working from home, obviously using the internet, which goes through the main network, through the internal network. Right? Really? I'm really surprised by this, to be honest, right? You would think that there will be some sort of an access, right, for employees to get direct access to the internal network. Yeah, through the internet, but there will be some devices set just for this purpose, right? Expose a a network device, right, through the internet that goes directly to the internal network that might be a bad idea again for for attack services or not not so maybe they they just say hey if you want to access the internal you have to go through the main i don't know they should have done what what uh what facebook have done just draw, draw drive through the <laughs> to the actual uh you know data center and let's just plug their laptops in you know, that's what Facebook did, but they, the Facebook had a lot of problem getting in because of COVID and stuff like that. Just, just getting into the data center security. Who are you? I don't trust you. You know, just get the security clearance out. You know, I guess they had the same problem, but they didn't mention any of that stuff which impaired, impaired their ability to find the source of congestion and resolve it. Operators instead relied on logs to understand what was happening and initially identified elevated internal DNS errors. So they relied on logs. Now, my question is, how did they read the logs? I know I'm nitpicking, but I'm really interested to understand everything. You know, now you're saying that they couldn't see the monitoring data, but you're saying they can see the logs. But how could they, where are the logs? Are the logs in the internal network? If they're on an internal log, how could they access it? Because the the network devices are congested. How could they access the logs? Unless the logs are somewhere stored in the main network and they they could access it really easily, maybe. But regardless, they were able to see the logs they open they crack the logs open and they say they saw what they saw internal dns errors so that means there is an elevated intern uh, uh, dns request that have been failing (laughs) red flag if dns in your services start to fail you're dead that's what happened to microsoft in the outage last year right their authoritative name server were down, basically the whole thing just collapses. DNS is just... I know a lot of people say DNS is distributed and whatnot. DNS is a single point of failure, baby. It is. Stop saying it's distributed. Yeah, it's distributed when it comes to, you know, looking at it from bird's eye view, but at the end of the day, who have the answer for your DNS query? Your authoritative name servers. If those puppies are down, you're dead, son. Right, if you manage your own authoritative name server, that is right. Now you can argue, oh, you c- you should you should uh, distribute your authoritative name server. But if uh, from from looking at from you know big picture, the authoritative name servers is a single point of server. If if the whole thing went down, you're dead. You cannot answer any uh, any DNS queries. But yes, they they manage. They've seen some DNS errors here. Because Internet DNS, because internal DNS is foundational for all services, all services, and this traffic was believed to be contributing to the congestion, the teams focused on moving the internal DNS traffic away from congested network path. And I did not understand how they did that. They didn't explain any of this. I'm really surprised. First of all, let's talk about this a little bit. Right? No, no, no. Let's really analyze this statement because this is very, very critical. I have so much to say about this. Okay. Internal DNS. The internal DNS, which is used obviously to resolve internal services that is in the main network that has nothing to do with the public internet. Again, internal stuff. Okay, that's my guess. This lives on the internal network okay now my first point is the, the path between the main network and the internal network have a lot of failed internal dns errors because of the congestion right because the the udp packets are getting dropped because the devices in the middle are are, are congested right the packets are getting dropped so dns are timing out and the you're not resolving dns that's bad if dns cannot be resolved your services eventually will die and this will propagate back to the actual users and will say oh users are bad the users will immediately experience this so that's why they focused to fix dns the first thing they have to fix dns so They moved the internal DNS traffic away from the conjection path. have, I have some comments about this. What do you mean by move DNS traffic? Well, to move DNS, to move any traffic is to inspect the packets that comes into the router or the switch and says, hey, if this is a DNS request, take it to this port instead of this port, right and as a result, they moved it around. I don't know how, because a congested bad is the congested path. right Where is this path that is not congested? I don't know, right. <laughs> the whole, the whole the whole network is congested. Where would you move it? Right, so that I don't know where do they move it, but the fact that they were able to move it is fascinating you might say i was saying why why is this fascinating it is fascinating because guys remember dns is unencrypted as of today right dns is plain text anyone can sniff dns traffic right because mm-hmm. it's a pure udp request saying hey i want to go to this domain give me the ip address of this domain but cloudflare and people you know big big companies are trying to encrypt the dns traffic which for good reasons for privacy right we don't want anyone to snoop on our dns and there are two camps to encrypt the dns traffic there's the first camp right which is the dns over https people say hey i don't want any business let's use the uh, uh, the existing infrastructure built on top of https which is built on top of tls which is built on top 443 and they just shove the dns traffic as just another web traffic there is this this people right so like we have we have a already built in structure let's use that let's just shove the dns into through them. there is another camp which is called the dot dns over tls which says no guys yeah uh, we're with you we love to encrypt dns but we cannot do it on the web traffic we cannot do it on port 443 we have to dedicate a specific tls a specific port just for encrypted dns and let's just reserve that port right and there is a big fight between the two camps Oh, why complicate the story now we have to know a new port and all that stuff no everybody will use their own port no need just uh, we will have our own protocol no there is no need to have their own protocol to do all that stuff let's use the doh so doh seems to be winning right because like firefox started implementing it i granted they took it talk it back because the the, the the cloud services that host the DOH service couldn't handle that. But I think is there are a lot of you know there's a lot of talk to support DOH. Right back to Amazon. If DOH happened to be a thing, Amazon could never do this now. What they just did, right? They could never move DNS traffic. If it's de- because it's just web traffic to them, it's, everything is encrypted, Like right? The network, you know, the device only sees the port and the IP where you're going. It never sees the actual content because it's encrypted. And if it sees 443, it has zero context at what, what this is. It doesn't know this is DNS. So that is actually, I've been always on the camp of DOH. It's like, let's simplify things. But this made me kind of kind of think about these cases like what if i want to identify dns traffic because dns is is crucial right i want to have it dedicated in this particular path how do i do that without knowing the port i need to know which port we're going through so i can you know direct dns traffic i need to identify so i kind of i kind of go with the dot tab on this one right but so let's say dot1 doh0 on this round but we'll we'll have to wait and see but this is a good example where you need to identify dns traffic i don't know how but boy the doh camp and the odo which is the oblivious one really need some sort of a bet that tells you this is dns or not i have no idea how, how they're gonna do it Maybe through the TLS session, they could introduce a new TLS extension. But yeah, that's that's uh, that's just one thing I noticed when I read this. So it's just... Uh, it, it is gonna... It's gonna be a mess when DOH is fully implemented. All right. At 2, 9.28 a.m., so two hours later, exactly two hours later, the team completed this work and DNS resolution errors fully recovered. So there are no more errors. They moved... The DNS traffic to some other uncongested path, again, where, no idea, right? Where are you moving it? Everything is congested. Uh, How are you moving things where? Like maybe there are, okay, maybe they spun up a new network devices and move it there. Maybe they did that, but they didn't mention here. Maybe they did that maybe just spin up a new edge devices when i say edge the network devices that link the internal the main network between the internal network this change improved the ability uh, availability of several impacted services by reducing load on the impacted network uh, networking devices but did not fully resolve the aws service impact or eliminate the congestion keep in mind i don't think because of the, you know, the monitoring thing. They couldn't see the monitoring. They don't know that the the auto-scale thing that triggered on the main network caused this. They don't know that. They still don't know. They are telling us the summary after the fact they have discovered it, but I don't think at this stage, they know that, oh, that, that service caused it. They don't know this, right? Importantly, monitoring data was still not visible to our operation. Are we still recording? Yes. Importantly, monitoring data was still not available to our operation team, so they had to continue resolving the issue with reduced system visibility. Operators continue working on a set of remediation actions to reduce congestion on the network, internal network, including identifying the top uh, uh, sources of traffic to isolate to, uh, to dedicated network devices disabling some heavy traffic services so they look at the traffic okay what is this traffic like this service is generating a lot from this IP address. this generating a lot of traffic let's disable it maybe it's not that important right let's disable that services and bringing additional network capacity online this progressed slowly for several reasons so they're trying to justify why it took so seven hours to resolve this outage right First, the impact of the internal monitoring limited our ability to understand the problem. Second, our internal deployment system, which ran on the internal network, were impacted, which further slowed our remediation effort. Finally, because many AWS services on the main AWS network and the AWS customer applications were still operating normally, we wanted, this is very critical, huh? The customer application and the AWS network is just operating normally because, again, remember where the the, the problem is that is in the edge between these two networks. So if you have a service that is purely using the main, or if you have a service that is purely using the internal, you're fine, son. But the moment you start to communicate between these two, if you have something that needs to jump to the internal or via versa, then you're screwed we wanted to be extremely deliberate while making changes to avoid impacting functional workloads as the operations teams continued applying the remediation actions described above congestion significantly improved so they kept applying the same remediation which is what which is to to spin up new devices and then move the network traffic disabling stuff that is not really required. Conjecture significantly improved on 134 PST. They found, apparently they found the service that there's the culprit, and they disabled that. And all the network devices fully recovered by 2.22 PM PST. That is exactly seven hours from the outage, which started at 7 a.m. in the morning. We have taken several actions to prevent a recurrence of this event. We immediately disable the scaling activities that trigger this event. Because remember, the scaling a- activity that happened on the main network is the one that caused this, this puppy, right? So they, they disable scale. So hey, no, there is no business to scale something that doesn't need to be scaled, right? And will not resume until we have deployed all remediations. So they're trying to deploy some remediations, And my guess, these remediations is what caused the second outage. That happened two days ago, on December 15. I was just I la- jet lagged, so I slept through the day. <laughs> I think I woke up at 10 a.m. or something. Our systems are scaled adequately so that we do not need to resume these activities in the near term. Our networking clients have well-tested request back-off behavior that are designed to allow our system to recover f- from these sorts of congestion events. But a latent issue. What does is latent mean? I really don't know. What is Latent latent existing but not yet developed or manifest okay and latent that means still oh we're still working on it prevented these clients from adequately backing off during this event so it's probably something they they just forgot about to 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 actually implement this back off event is just the more i read about the more it's like very critical to understand because whether you like it or not your back end he really is just derived by the clients if you have bad behaving clients he, they can take down your backend easily right especially if you have a large number of clients and uh, in a control environment like this my god look what happened this code path has been in production for many years but the automated scaling activity triggered a previously unobserved behavior again so it's a it's a path that they never experienced before It happens. We are developing a fix for this issue and expected to deploy this change over the next two weeks. Wink, wink. So they apparently have deployed it exactly the next week and maybe something happened. I don't know. I I think they deployed to the east and then when they tried to deploy to the west, something else happened. But the, the second outage, I think, lasted only for 30 minutes. So it's not that bad. Right, but the media still talked about it because you know media wants clicks. We have also deployed additional network configuration that protects potentially impacted networking devices, even in the face of a similar congested congestion event. This remediation gave us confidence that we'll not see a a recurrence of this issue. Ha! <laughs> ah, December fifteenth, enter the chat. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm not gonna. This is this is taking so long, and I I, I have to go to work. It's uh, it's what now? It's uh, it's seven a.m. So I have to get work in an hour. So I gotta prepare. But yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up. We're gonna leave this to you guys, right? I'm gonna read the summary, and then uh, we'll we'll continue some other time, right? Um, but i want to read this part right? if, this is this is the, the summary on this is is exactly the same as i explained earlier uh, there is aws service impact the impact was basically for services that requires to spin up a new ec2 instance right when they wanted to spin up a new ec2 instance they needed the internal network and that fails right when they want to inspect when a customer want to inspect an ec2 instance, and they try to go to the internal network that fails right and when i say fail basically it times out which which eventually fails and it takes time for these services even after the congestion is gone or gone is gone takes time for these services to recover because it caches the fact that the server is down because of the congestion right it doesn't know there is congestion knows that Hey, there's timeouts. It doesn't know that. Oh, there's a congestion. It knows that it tries to connect and it fails. So it says, okay, I'm not gonna try again. Let me disable my effect. That's just the backing of behavior. Most applications do that. But that's why it took it took the STS. What is STS again? It stands for? I don't know. It went it yeah, it took another two two hours to fully recover everything. What from an AWS cloudwatch and dynamodb and s3 buckets and ac 2 and things these these partial things right they talk about the lambda what 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 effects happened to lambda lambda took a little bit longer right lambda was recovered you know certain workloads in lambda recovered at 6:40 at so that is like what so we're talking about 7 uh that's 9 11 12 hours it took almost 12 hours right to recover these lambdas okay guys i don't know did you did you run into this uh like for those who i don't use amazon but if for those who use amazon did you guys run into uh problems with this and what kind of problems and let's just have a discussion in the comment section and the event guys Almost every single outage that I analyzed in this channel, and uh, I'm gonna reference the, uh, the playlist if you're interested in this kind of content. Uh, watch the playlist in the in the description and also in the uh, in the screens. Almost every outage, almost every outage, the company that experienced the outage couldn't even tell you that there was an outage. Almost everyone, Google, Amazon. Right, Amazon, the first one, the 2020 one. Microsoft, right? Uh, Slack. It's almost all the time because you know it's easy to rely on your trusted internal infrastructure to report the status for out for, for you know the health of the report, right? So you rely on this network to report the status, but so yeah, guys, to summarize, right? There's no need to see the page anymore. Yeah, I mean, all the outages that we've covered, most of the time the company cannot tell you that there was an outage because they rely on this their backend infrastructure to report the outage, to report the status of the health of the system. But if the infrastructure on which you're hosting the status page is down, how can you report to your customers? So, <laughs> Amazon in this case, they just use the banner on their HTML going to the back, you know, the good old HTML, static page, solve the issue, you know? And even that, the people say, what are you talking about? I, I didn't see any anything. Okay. So yeah, guys, uh, it's just it's just interesting to learn about this. Again, we're always at the end of the, the day. We thank the engineers, the fellow engineers working at Amazon to bring this back up because it's always stressful i've been there myself with outages back in the day right Uh, it's just it's not fun right so the reason i cover this is just to learn from these experiences and always try to be you know think about the the stress that the engineers whether in google and amazon Amazon or or microsoft or all the companies the stress they run into the, the our engineers you know you know, our fellow engineers. Just it's just a lot of work. So kudos to all the engineers working on really fixing this outage because it's just, it's a it's outages happen, things happen, right? But it takes skills and really maneuver to bring back a service back online. This is where real engineers thrive, right? This is completely unexpected. This is not a test that you take in an inter- interview, right? This is the real engineer. It's like okay, oh, let's do this. Let's let's try this. So they they and this comes with experience, with guts. You know, it takes guts to okay, let let's try this approach. Let's try this approach. And it takes experience. It takes really. Uh, deep knowledge of the fundamentals of networking deep knowledge of the back end and that's why i love analyzing these outage because whatever the the smart engineers do is just like wow i can't believe they thought about this this is actually good i've never thought about this so like the, the the idea of reversing the, the redirecting the dns traffic is genius right like let's let's move the dns traffic because that's the most important thing right if they didn't do that whoever made the, that decision to move the dns traffic really should get a raise, right? It should g- good chunk of money, right? Because that is a really smart decision. If they did not do that, that would be really disaster. Yeah, it would have been a disaster. If you cannot resolve DNS, that's, you're dead, basically, right? So that's very smart to do that. But at the same time, it makes me think that DOH... Right, is not gonna see the day of light. The DNS over HTTPS, right? And or internal companies will say, okay, we're not not gonna encrypt DNS. Who cares? We we don't really need to encrypt internal DNS. Like, we are the one making these DNS requests. Who cares if it's visible? Of course, I want to see all these things. Don't encrypt them, right? So there is no point. Yeah, I understand encrypting the DNS on the internet, but in the internal one you really don't need to encrypt this because if you if DNS was encrypted with doh on port 443 they could have never never done this but yeah the overall uh excellent work everyone at amazon engineers and uh yeah we're waiting for the second outage uh root cause analysis Although I doubt that Amazon will will issue a root cause analysis on that one because that lasts to what for thirty minutes. Usually, if it's if it's less than two hours, they don't bother talking about it. We talked from experience; they will probably show a page or something, but will not. This was a disaster. It was like what almost let's say twelve hours. Like for for lambda to come back on and EC2 and all that stuff took like 12 hours outage, right? Yeah, the actual direct outage is seven hours, but the you know the ram- the ramification took more than that, right? obviously. All right, guys, that's for me today. I hope you really enjoyed this video. and oh guys, this video is also uh, hosted on my podcast. The Backend Engineering Show, which you can find on your favorite uh, podcast player. Just Google The Backend Engineering Show with Hussein Nasser and you can find it in every... It's Google, it's on Anchor, it's on Spotify, it's everywhere. So if you want to listen on the back end, the back end, <laughs> no pun intended, on in the background, if you want to listen in the background while you're doing your own, your own thing, you're at work, you're at gym, you want to listen on this, make sure to check it out. Go to Hussein Nasser dot com slash podcast right and make sure make sure to check out the my courses i have the, i have two courses i have three courses on udemy uh go to database.hossein.com uh that's at the fundamentals of database engineering i really proud of that course i love it and you guys seem to love it too the queue the questions we get there is just seeds more content in the course Uh, check my nginx course talk about the fundamentals of load balancers and nginx configurations and how you can scale nginx with warp sockets stuff that i don't talk about in the youtube channel so yeah check out nginx.hossein.com i'm gonna see you in the next one you guys stay awesome thank you so much goodbye